It's that time again. Time to catch up with family. Time to share that home cooking that you've been craving. And yes, time to update your COVID vaccine. Updated vaccines now protect against the original COVID virus and Omicron. They're here just in time to make those family gatherings safer and extra special. Schedule your free vaccine today. Find updated COVID vaccines for everyone ages 5 and up at vaccines.gov. We can do this. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode on the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Her name is Gloria. Gloria is someone that I really look up to and we can't wait to hear her story today. Thanks for having me. Of course. So Gloria, we always ask the first question on our podcast. Please tell us about your upbringing and where you grew up. Yeah, of course. So my parents had a huge impact on the way I think and who I am today. So for context, I was born two hours away from St. Louis because my parents moved from Shanghai over to Missouri for grad school. And I remember my mom telling me that both of them were getting their degrees in computer science. They were working full-time jobs. My mom was pregnant with me all the while you know, integrating into American culture and learning the language and how things worked. And once they graduated, they moved to the Bay Area for opportunity. And I have to give credit to my parents because the way that they decided where to move was based off of how diverse the schools were. So I was lucky enough to have my community and my close friends and sponsors. So even if I experienced, say, subtle racism, I had a community that supported me. And I think, frankly, I was so busy thinking about what kind of impact I wanted to make on the world, brainstorming, you know, what I wanted to do with my life to really give any mind share to the naysayers. <laughs> Gloria, I really love the energy that you bring to the table, right? And we have to give your parents a lot of credit too in their hustle story, working as a waiter, a waitress, going to grad school, pregnant. I can't imagine myself in that position, you know? I can't focus on one thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I didn't realize it until, you know, I was much older to like fully appreciate everything that they did for me. Yeah, 100%. Out of curiosity, which part of the Bay Area did you grow up at? I grew up in the East Bay in Castro Valley. So oh, our class size, yeah, in high school was like 700, 800 people when we graduated. Yeah. I mean, the great thing about the Bay is that it's so diverse, right? It's so big. It's a lot of things going on. Yeah. And I really, really love hearing that. I'm kind of curious too, like how did that translate into your personal career? Knowing about your parents' story, growing up in the Bay Area, and even like you said earlier, like planning out how you want to make a difference in the world. That's, that's awesome to hear. Right. Yeah. How does it translate into your current career? That's a great question. So growing up in the Bay Area, we're lucky because it's so diverse and you're surrounded by innovation and you're taught that any challenge is an opportunity. And for me, I had a pivotal moment in 2008 when I was growing up during the global financial crisis. It was challenging during that time because 
My dad was laid off. It was a tough time for the family. I saw people struggling in my community. I had neighbors who had to move away because they could no longer afford their mortgages. And it made me realize that as a first-generation Asian-American female, I didn't know how the financial system worked. And I personally never want to see the people I care about struggle like that again. So that was my challenge. And I knew that if I didn't lean in and make personal finance my career, I it would be hard for me to learn it like elsewhere. So from that challenge came opportunity. And I got my first job when I was 17 down in San Mateo at a wealth management firm with the Ting Group. And it was really interesting because with the Ting Group, it was John, Jeff, Jason, and Linda and they were all Asian, Asian American. And they really just showed me like, hey, people who look like me belong in the industry. Yeah, it's really, really commendable to hear that too. And I feel like your first job always ends up shaping the person that you become. Yeah, right? definitely. <laughs> honestly, being Sam Mateo, starting off your career at 17, that's insane. They really yeah. gave a chance. Yeah, they gave me a chance because I had I hadn't even started college yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's commendable, right? And that definitely has shaped you into the person you are today. And I'm also an OA type of person, the baby as well. I was going through the recession. Unfortunately, I was one of the families that got affected with my parents losing a lot of their their properties that they own and filing for bankruptcy back in 2008. I definitely felt that when you said that you need to learn about personal finance. That's how I got started with personal finance personally. But ironically, I majored in computer science, right? And my, my mentality at the time was like, oh no, like my parents are not doing financially well. I need to make as much money as possible. What is the shortest career path that makes the most money? Computer science. <laughs> exactly. I was just about to say that. Yes. <laughs> it's like, what is the route that would give me the stability or like the American dream. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And as based upon, I mean, going diving deeper about like the American dream and personal finance, what is your current purpose and mission? Okay, that's a good question as well. So I would say it's twofold. The first is I want to be that representation of what a private banker looks like. So according to, I think there was a recent Cerulli report, and they said that 18% of financial advisors were women, 5% are Hispanic, only 4% are Asian American, and 3% are Black. I don't think that represents America's demographics. And I would say, secondly, the goal is by, by holding space in the industry, my goal is financial inclusion. So if I am a female Asian American banker, I think there's a special connection potentially with, you know, being able to find clients who look like me or identify with me culturally. And I think we're seeing such a change in wealth, especially here in the Bay Area and in the, in the U.S. Like there's so much opportunity. So I think, you know, there's another two facts that I might, I, I want to provide. The first being over 55% of unicorn founders are immigrants. And there's even more, I guess there, there it's, it's even a larger percentage of Asian immigrant, or sorry, even a larger percentage of immigrants or first-generation American that are 
founders of these unicorn companies. And, and also we're seeing that a larger percentage of executives are becoming, are, are women. So for example, I think back 10 years ago, about 2.5% of CEOs were female and, and now it's about 5.4%, still abysmal in numbers, but that that's increasing. And so I want to be able to provide financial advice to to these individuals and and help change this landscape and protect them and be their partners. I love that. I realize that, you know, financial education is not usually taught in school, right? I feel like a lot of times you're listening to people, unsolicited, a lot of unsolicited advice out there, right? About how do, you should invest into this, you should buy that, or you have this type of money, you should store this and that. But like, there's, you need someone that, like an expert to help guide you along the way. And don't you just love it? How the statistic of immigrant founders is, is pretty large, right? Mm-hmm. Because I feel most immigrants live out the American dream in the US. It's like, I'm here, the land are free. You don't take things for granted. You go for it and push for it. Yeah. I love that statistic. I mean, obviously the other statistic is I want to, next time we chat, hopefully in the future, I want to hear the numbers of female Let's see, like female-led company is to be a much larger percent, right? Yeah. But either way, as long as we're making progress, I feel like that's a step in the right direction. Exactly. And, and to your point, what I've noticed is when it comes to personal finance, it's you get information. The knowledge sharing is happening between you and your immediate community. So I know my parents, they share stock tips with their friends and founders maybe talk amongst each other, but I've spent, you know, years in this industry. And if I come in as a private banker, I'm not just giving you stock tips or advice. I'm bringing you like the best ideas from one of the world's largest banks. So it's a different level of knowledge sharing and being able to bring founders, entrepreneurs, or investors like into the fold. Yeah. Gloria, you're amazing. Right. And I know you mentioned earlier about private bankers and about a little bit about JP Morgan. Like, so what does a private banker private banker do and why is it important at JP Morgan? Yeah, that's a good question because I think also that doesn't get advertised or shared as much amongst, say, the API community or first generation community. So I would actually describe my role as a wealth architect. Uh, I partner with executives, founders, investors to actually just construct a comprehensive and holistic plan. And then I just help execute. So you don't have to. For example, if I'm working with a founder, maybe they might have a liquidity event coming up. And so I take a look at everything. I see, you know, do we need to do tax and estate planning? Is there opportunities to structure things on the estate side? So do you need to open up certain accounts and trusts? And then I get to dive into the fun stuff like, what do you care about? Do you have family members or people in the community that you want to give back to? And do you have, for example, a you know, an, another chapter of your life or like a second act. And I can leverage investing and credit and philanthropy to help you get there. So it's more of taking what you have and really like maximizing it for what you want to do. And ultimately, I think you bring in me 
because you want peace of mind. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm here to help create some type of plan. And if plans change, we can, you know, dodge and weave and, and make things happen. But it, it's just having a partner. Definitely. Uh, I mean, that's that's so cool to to hear that, right? And you know, as you're telling me this position, this story, it's like I'm thinking, you know. How would I react if I run into an immense amount of wealth in the near future or in the future, right? I think it's very overwhelming, right? Because yeah. a lot of times without proper planning and proper advice, actually money goes away really, really fast. <laughs> you know, before exactly. you know it, you're like, oh no. Yeah, it's like you don't, sometimes it's funny because personal finance is one of those things where maybe you don't learn your lessons until you make a mistake or it's too late. And so if I if if you can count on someone who's seen it all before and has had pattern recognition and can guide you, I, I think that's the biggest value add. Yeah, definitely. And I know like looking at your pro- your profile and looking at your LinkedIn that you, you've been involved with a lot of things before. I'm kind of curious too, can you tell us about a time when you struggle with your business and how did you manage to overcome it? Yeah. So it's funny because every challenge that I've gone through, it was tough in the moment, but then now that I look back at it, I just, it's just really funny to me. So I think one thing I'll say is I've been rejected from pretty much almost every job that I've had. So I'll give some examples. So the first company that there's one company that I I worked at and I interviewed with, you know, person A. And after a few weeks, I was rejected by person B. And then at the moment, I was so sad, but I felt really strongly about the company. And so I emailed uh, the, the person who actually interviewed me and I said, you know, thanks so much for taking the time. It was really fun getting to know you and the company. I'm still bullish. You know, I hope to keep in touch. And it wasn't, you know, asking for a job or or for the job or anything, but it was just like, let's keep in touch. Within an hour, that person had called me while I was at the airport and I had a two hour conversation with that interviewer. And the next day I got the job offer. (laughs) So I think, you know, from that experience, I realized that like, Every rejection is not the final answer. It's just a chance to figure out how you should pivot or how to get to yes. I'll say also, you know, there was another company that I I had applied to and I was interviewing, I was close to the offer, but then they had a hiring freeze. And so I had to wait a year. And what ended up happening was I had to interview again, but I got a role that was actually a better fit for me. So I, I think I've I've learned that rejection is just a fact of life. Challenges just happen, but if you really just if that if what you're doing aligns with your purpose and your goals, like just keep going. And maybe it might not happen at the timeline you want it to, but it'll happen, and it might actually end up being better. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's really really good advice. Right. And you definitely show the hustle story behind that, too. Honestly, it's really hard to judge a person's abilities and character in a couple interviews. Right. And I feel like with most from my own personal experience, hiring people too, most over like excellent, like a type of employees actually don't interview that well. <laughs> you know, 
I feel like there's a lot more to it. I'm really glad that you took the opportunity to to kind of reflect and think about how you want to reapproach the situation. And the second part to your answer, you know, I feel like everything happens for a reason, right? You may think that one thing is a better fit for you and try to force the situation. I feel like anytime you try to force anything, it most likely isn't going to work out the way you think it's going to be. Yeah. Right? And exactly. also... You have to give yourself time to like grow as a person too. Like what you might like today, you might not like a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, right? Exactly. I mean, same with the Asian Hustle Network. I remember hearing about the story and it's really just grown and evolved and you've pivoted and it's become so much more than from what I heard, what you intended it to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely have grown a lot in the last two years only, <laughs> you know, but it took a lot of, of listening to what, what matters to you, what matters to the community. How do you provide value? Right. And speaking of that, I know that in our Asian Hustle Network community, we prize our community on each other's story, each other's life experiences, listen to what we learned from our parents. Honestly, what kind of lessons have you learned from your parents? How have they influenced your life? And how do they influence your relationship with money? Yeah, Ooh, that's a good question. So I would say with my mom, she had a huge impact on my life. I, I was really lucky to have her, when, I guess, have her spend so much time with me, you know, especially during middle school, because she had taken a break in her career to take care of my sister and I. And so I remember we would drive, you know, to school and she would just give me a lot of her like momisms. And and one of them in particular to personal finance was probably this phrase of like, look for value, not just the price. And so what that means is she was just a huge advocate of being intentional about make like what I spent my money on, especially when I was making purchases. So for example, it's not just buying the cheapest thing, but it's buying something, for example, of higher quality. If you're going to use it more, you should buy things from companies that align with your values. And it goes the other way too. You know, maybe it's like, don't buy just the cheapest thing buy something that will really give you value, but also don't buy something just because it's it's expensive or designer if it doesn't stand for what you believe in or shares the same values as, as you do. So I actually feel like maybe even though my mom wasn't Gen Z, she had a lot of Gen Z opinions. <laughs> she was a woman ahead of her times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome to hear your parents do that too. And really teaching you like the values of company that Obviously, it does matter a lot, right? Does that philosophy of the company line up with yours and, you know, buying certain products that is there a need or is it one? It's going to be high. You're going to reuse it often. I think that's really cool because that's something that wasn't really taught to me per se, but something that I learned over time, right? Yeah. It's that paying extra money for quality actually really matters a lot. <laughs> exactly exactly and i think at the end of the day it's you know it's this idea of also like it's not how much you have or how much you spend it's it's how much you you get out of you know what you're spending yeah exactly so speaking of personal finance i want to hear more i i know that you you in the past you have invested into like content focus on economic empowerment and financial literacy and you had created something called like the bear cat content 
Can you talk mm-hmm. to us more about that and what inspired you to create that? Yeah. Uh, so I remember there's this Steve Jobs quote that's something along the lines of you can't connect the dots, you know, looking forward, but you can definitely connect them looking backwards. And for me, I know we've spent a lot of time talking about, you know, my work at JP Morgan, but the dots for me finally really connected in 2019 because I grew up watching YouTube. Like I I think a lot of people in our generation did. So I grew up watching YouTube because that was the really like the only place I saw people like me on the screen. And so I knew, you know, YouTube was this place for, I guess, diversity, empowerment. It was really knocking walls down. And so I always wanted to do something in entertainment. I just... I just didn't know how because I lived in the Bay Area. I went to Berkeley. I stayed up here in the Bay Area and and didn't, you know, go full in on on entertainment. But I did study media studies in college. So I think in 2019, I finally realized, okay, I need to do something about this if I care about, you know, social media, new media and, and entertainment. And so I developed this thesis that I see increasing convergence of like of content creation and personal finance. And this is because number one, I mean, every person I've talked to about personal finance, they're like, yes, I, I think it's a great idea. I, I agree. I think, you know, we should teach it to everybody, but it's so boring to most people. And I think media and content actually makes it engaging. And then the second is media, storytelling, content creation, it adds context. So I can say, you know, like financial literacy is very important. I can tell you that, you know, until I'm blue in the face, but you only really like understand that or it really only sinks in if I'm able to show you via media and content. So that's more powerful. And I already see like the financial industry, for example, using influencers and media to break down barriers for financial inclusion. And I I expect to see a lot more. And so with Bearcat, we've been focused on investing in content that's focused on, to your point, economic empowerment and financial literacy. I love that. I mean, some of my favorite content creators are financial literacy type of content creators, yeah. right? And I feel like the way that they can break things down it makes it more relatable. Whereas you read it on a textbook, you read it online, you have, you know, you read it on like a banking website, you're like, okay, what is that? What how does that affect me? Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's I mean that's that's a really awesome project to hear. And you know, it's great hearing more about Bearcat for sure. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, of course. And I I will say it's it's been a journey. It's 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 definitely still a work in progress with like multiple iterations. But what I will say is so far we've invested in four documentaries and wow. also three startups that are focused on uh, new media or are at the frontier of fintech. So I'm really excited to see where it goes. But again, everything is a work in progress like everything else. <laughs> course that's a great way to view life right i think jeff bezos says that too every day is day one every day yeah. is a great day to make impact in the world exactly awesome so gloria as we're nearing the end of the podcast i have one final question for you yeah and that question is if i was let's say actually this is a great time to ask this question let's say if i just recently graduated from like 
2020, 2021, trying to learn more about personal finance, knowing that the economy right now dealing with inflation and, you know, possibility of recession. How do I learn about personal finance properly? Oh, that's a good question. So I think it's, it's two things. I I actually, yeah, it's, it's two things. The, the first would be, I think, on, you know, the way we get our information is usually on social media. And I think social media tends to sensationalize a lot of things. So we see a lot of headlines that are like, I made, you know, $50,000 in one day. And that gets views because it's engaging. I think on online, you're rewarded for things that are absurd or, you know, like outliers. So I think if you're navigating personal finance, I think you have to stay away and be careful of these headlines. Don't fall into that trap. The best way to, I guess, manage your money is, you know, unfortunately it is kind of the boring stuff. It's the stuff that's not going to be posted about on on like a TikTok maybe, or it might just not get as many views because it's like, put your money in maybe a, a, an asset allocation, like a like a stock bond split, like a 60-40 stock bond split. And I think the second thing is we are taught so much to value how much our net worths are or how much money we have. But it's really when you, it's really more about what your money can do for you and what your values are. So what I've seen is a lot of entrepreneurs, for example, who you know might have seen their portfolios or stock prices drop, but a lot of them are still very passionate about what they do. And if you focus on like the business, on the quality, like the 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 stock price, it it, it doesn't change how you feel about yourself. So I think it's just two takeaways. Be cautious of <laughs> the sensationalization of money. And sometimes like the most boring stuff is the most helpful. And then the second is if you really focus on your purpose and what you're building, you know, that's where your wealth and your money is going to come from. It's the company that you build, not random, you know, option strategies or or the or or, or anything really fancy on the investing front. Yeah, I really, really like the advice too, right? And I feel like a lot of your answers are very intentional with purpose and, and reasoning. And it's really neat to hear that too. Because I, I had this impression of like working with private bankers. It's like, oh, like it's about money, wealth creation. But I, I really like the fact that you mentioned a lot about purpose and being aligned with what you're doing. Because honestly, I know it's a little bit off tangent, but that's, that's the type of things that bring you true happiness, right? Exactly. Like yeah. you don't, especially in this market environment, if you tied your sense of value with the value that you have in your bank account, then you're going to have a very tough time. Absolutely. I feel like, like, again, off topic again, I feel like a lot of people nowadays tie their identity to their job titles, their career, how much money, how much money they're worth. Right. But it's actually not about that. It's about who you are as a person. So I really glad that you brought that up during yeah, this podcast. Exactly. Especially with last thing I'll say also is that, you know, with job titles, maybe you get the dream job title that you always wanted, but maybe you join and finally you realize, oh, the culture isn't what I wanted, or maybe the people that I work with 
or spend my time with are not as aligned with me in terms of what I like my personality. And I don't, and I think if you're so wrapped up with the job title, it makes it really hard. I, I think to find like happiness and fulfillment. So maybe it's finding a purpose first and then realizing what you can bring to the table and then finding opportunities, regardless of job title, that help you achieve your purpose. I love that. I love that answer a lot. Thank you, Gloria. Yeah, thank you for your time. Of course. And Gloria, so one final, final question. How can our listeners find out more about you and reach out to you online? Yeah, it's funny because I think the best place to reach out to me is actually LinkedIn. So my, my LinkedIn, Gloria Zoo, the URL username is with Glow. And then on Instagram and on TikTok, I'm underscore with glow. Awesome. We'll include all that in the show notes. But Gloria, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Keep up the hustle. <laughs> of course. Thank you. Hey, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes. So be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday. So stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.